You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high-quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit OKLABeef.org, link below. And let's get into today's episode. When I think of Route 66, I think of a convertible Mustang driving you know, into the distance, right? Um, and my guest today, I think, has a convertible. Maybe he has a Mustang. Right? I have a Mustang. There we go. I, I knew there was something like that. But uh, Reese Martin is on the podcast today. Uh, Reese is, uh, I mean, you're involved in Oklahoma Route 66 Association, but what is your official title? I'm the president of the Oklahoma Route 66 Association. Very involved. <laughs> uh, as someone who loves road trips as well, I'm excited to dive in and hear some stories and and just hear about what great you know roads there are in Oklahoma that people can take. I know there's some super great day trips, day trips that people can do. I've done some of them. Um, when I came here from the UK, the university that I went to was Southern Nazarene, which is on Route 66. Mm. And I think my first week I saw 50 plus bikers riding down Route 66 and they were all from the like um, Scandinavia. They had like Norway and then and, and Sweden flags. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Haven't seen that since, um, but I obviously don't go to university anymore. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming down. Super excited. I'm glad we could link up since you're in town and, and based in Tulsa. Thank you for the sticker. I will be putting that on my case straight away. Um, before we get into the Oklahoma Route 66 Association and being president of that, I'm sure there is a lot of work involved. Tell me about you. Oh, gosh. Uh, born and raised uh, in the Tulsa area. Uh-huh. Um, so this is home for me. Um, I didn't really pay attention to, you know, I liked history in, in school, but, you know, just went straight into the workforce, didn't think about it. And then uh, in 2009, I had what I called my quarter life crisis, sold everything I owned and left the country. Uh, and I backpacked for 10 months throughout Southeast Asia and Europe. Wow. And during that trip, I decided, well, I want to write what I'm seeing so I can share it with my family. I'll get a little camera so I can share pictures. I fell in love with writing and photography and culture on that trip. And so I came home 
and thought, well, there's no way I'm going to stay in Tulsa. Um, look at all these amazing things. And I, I really fell more in love with the city, honestly. And I started to think, okay, so what's around here that I'm not paying attention to? What else is there in Oklahoma that I've not really experienced? And when I came home within a year, um, I got divorced, my grandmother passed away, and then my dad died suddenly. Oh, wow. And, you know, that was a very transformative time for me. And I thought, you know, I really need to to pay attention to what's going on around me. So all of that kind of came together and, and I started taking trips. It helps that, you know, the, the one thing I got from my father when he died was his 2005 Mustang, you know, which was his baby. And I thought, well, I'm just gonna drive this till the wheels fall off. Good excuse just to roll the windows down and see what's out there. Um, and I, I'm gonna say discovered in quotes, Route 66. Uh, just took a day trip from Tulsa up to uh, Miami, Oklahoma, up near the corner of the state, uh, which this is a good time as any to mention that Miami, Oklahoma is actually older than Miami, Florida. So they're the ones that don't pronounce it cor correctly. <laughs> um, uh, but they have a beautifully restored 1929 vaudeville theater up there called the Coleman. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And this is in this little town up here near the Kansas border. What, what else is, is this road about? Uh, and so two years after that, I had driven the entire length of Route 66 from Chicago to Los Angeles. And uh, during that time, I started meeting the people that live and work along the road and made friends. Uh, and then I would say it's in 2015 that I kind of took that next step of how can I get involved? I drove up to Lebanon, Missouri to a rally to save a historic trust bridge. They had a whole bunch of people saying, don't tear it down. This is history. It's important. Um, and I met even more people there. Uh, and then uh, things just uh, things just kind of escalated from there. <laughs> I love it. I love it when like so many times on this podcast, people, you know, have, have shared similar stories to yours, right? Like they grow up, they don't think they're going to be involved. They have a slight passion for history or something that they end up going into. And then it just kind of evolves, right? And then you like, you, like you said, you, you fall in the deep end and you are, what, why not, right? Why, why should I not? I love doing this. Let's get into it. Um, tell me about doing... Um, driving the whole route. How was that? So I drove it in pieces. Uh, there are some folks that sit down and drive literally from Chicago to LA. Uh, and when people ask, well, I want to do that. How much time should I take? And I'm like, well, how much time do you have? It takes at least three weeks to do it right. And that's a whole conversation. Uh, but, you know, I started here in Oklahoma, uh -huh. Tulsa to Miami, Tulsa to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City to the Texas border, uh, and then slowly expanded into the other states. And it's so incredible because when you start in Chicago, of course, one of our great big cities in the country, and you go through the rolling kind of dairy farms and open, you know, not uh, plains per se, but the pasture lands of Illinois, you get in, you cross uh, the Mississippi River in St. Louis, another iconic big city. Uh, but then the landscape starts to change. You get the Ozarks and the hills and the really winding road. You get into Oklahoma and, and you start to get a little bit of that Western influence and, the, and it flattens out, especially as you get into the Texas Panhandle. And then you've got New Mexico, Arizona, which is absolutely stunning. And then, of course, it all ends at the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so you, that's one of the things that's so appealing about Route 66, not just beyond its cultural uh, reputation and its worldwide recognition, but the fact that if you say, I'm going to do Route 66, you get a little bit of everything that America is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... It's funny being here and, you know, coming from, from the UK originally and coming out here and like all you hear about back home is really, not all you hear about, but it, you hear about it a lot, right? It, it is a bucket list thing to do for people 
that aren't in this country. And then I came here and I came to Oklahoma and people were like, I was like, have you driven it? And they're like, no, why would I do that? You know, it's such mm-hmm. a, and I'm sure you've had that as well from, from, you know, your time and traveling in Europe and, and Asia and stuff. You know, I, once people find you're an American, they might even have asked you, have you done Route 66? Like sure. To the rest of the world, it's quite a big deal. Well, I was that person. I lived right by Route 66 yeah. and I was like, eh, you know, I didn't, couldn't even tell you anything about it. I had to leave and come back to really start paying attention. Uh, during the pandemic, especially, I've noticed a lot more folks locally saying, okay, well, you know, I want to do something close to home. And Oklahoma has been doing a real bang up job of really getting the message out that Route 66 has a lot of cool stuff to see and do. Um, the Oklahoma Route 66 Association, we've been around since 1989, small nonprofit, you know, our border, people from all of these little tiny communities. Uh, but when the lieutenant governor comes to town and says, hey, Route 66 is really important and it's this really cool thing, you have a lot of people start listening. So we're, we're happy to have a lot of good partners mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. How has that evolved then over time since, you know, and, and lieutenant governor has been on the podcast and I think we should have one coming up in May this year, another one as a recap. But what, you know, what is that development and what is that relationship like with Travel Oklahoma, who has all the marketing dollars and, you know, it's their job to promote the state? You know, it's a lot of the other states are, are jealous. Um, so Route 66 goes through eight states and every state has their own historic association like ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll say none of them have a relationship with their state tourism department like we do. None of them have a relationship with their state department of transportation like we do. I'm so thankful for folks at ODOT that when there's a new project coming up that's within the Route 66 footprint, they let us know. You know, They give us a seat at the table. We get to talk about it. Um, just like anything, you know, the preservationist comes from from one perspective and, you know, maybe someone that's interested in new construction comes to it from a different perspective, but we feel listened to. And even in Oklahoma, that hasn't always been the case. And so I feel like all of these folks at the table are just encouraging more people to be involved. Um, and we're, we're just very lucky to have them all engaged. Yeah. Well, and also it seems to, since I've, I've been here 12, 12 years now, uh, it seems that in the last five years, it's really kind of ramped up. Like it seems that, and I would say Tulsa would be at the front of that over Oklahoma City, right? With Mother Road Market, you've got... Um, uh, is it Mary doing her thing? Mary Beth, Mary Beth yeah. doing her thing there with... Um, why can't I think of the name of it? Um, Buck Adams. Yes, Buck Adams. Uh, you know, and, and there's so much other stuff going on around it, and it's a lot more commercialized, which is good, right? It brings it, in dollars. It, it is. I mean, and Tulsa really got out ahead of it. They, they put a plan in place in 2005 to say, we've got a lot of Route 66. This is where Cyrus Avery was from, who's known as the father of Route 66. So we have some real heritage here. Yeah. Um, let's take advantage of that. And the city put some tax dollars behind it, and it just snowballed. And, yeah. you know, I just left a presentation. I was able to talk about, you know, we have more than 50 new neon signs in the last couple of years, thanks to a grant program. And it's just incredible. Yeah. Well, and the other one I didn't think of was the driller as well. Mm. Like everybody comes, you know, when my parents, we took my parents to Tulsa for, you know, for a day when they came to town. And my dad's like, I got to go see this driller. It's like okay. <laughs> it's kind of in the parking lot of a you know, business, but yeah, we can figure it out. Uh, but yeah, it is super fascinating. And I'm sure there is so many stories that come your way from people who before COVID are around the world. Mm-hmm. And then like I said, since COVID, a lot more people locally have seemed to like, Hey, well, we, we can't go on a plane now. Let's jump in the car and drive somewhere. 
And the international folks are coming back. Yeah. I'm joining a group for a few days in April. They're coming from New Zealand. Uh, I was recently able to meet up with some uh, of the guys I know that are with the Czech Association who've been coming over for over 25 years now. Um, and to your point, you know, Route 66 is this icon that is recognizable around the globe. And to talk to these folks from places like the Czech Republic, you know, that was their dream from behind the Iron Curtain. Wouldn't this be amazing? And now they get to do it. And that's it's kind of humbling. Yeah. Well, and, and also like the, you know, obviously not just in Oklahoma, but in Oklahoma, like stuff on the route, you know, it's Americana, right? It's like there's such a historical fact to it. It's not just, hey, we're just we're driving down this road because this road is, goes all the way through the country, right? It's. There's so many great spots on the route to stop off to have, you know, greatest burger you can find. Or, you know, if you love barbecue, then you're going to be coming in through Wellston and you, oh you, my know, gosh. you know, just all of these places, right? Um, or you're going through Clinton and you stop in the museum. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many great spots. And I can't think of a better thing to do if you love, you know, history and you actually want to explore than doing Route 66 in any state. Right. You know, and Route 66 is the spine. Mm-hmm. You know, folks that are doing Route 66 are like, well, what else can I see? Well, great. It's also it's got the Woody Guthrie Museum. Mm-hmm. That ties into it. You got extra time, go up to Pahuska and check out the Osage Nation. You know, down here in Oklahoma City, you've got all kinds of things to see that aren't, quote, on Route 66. But because you're here, it's part of the journey and part of the experience. Yeah. Um, and we're very lucky as a state that we, we have uh, a wealth of things. Yeah. Well, do. and we also have the most drivable Right. That's, That's right. More drivable miles than any other state. Yeah. So, so when you kind of, you know, you, you, you get the dad, your dad's Mustang and you decide that I'm going to just go and explore. And now this is, you know, before you really dive into the Route 66 thing, what are some of the spots that you went to and what are the discoveries that you end up having that now, you know, you tell the general public to go and explore in Oklahoma? Oh, it's, it's just the organic nature of it, you know, driving to Stroud, Oklahoma and stopping in at the Rock Cafe, which is a, a restaurant that's literally built out of the rock they excavated when they paved Route 66. And, you know, you go in, you're like, oh, this is nice, you know, that good, you know, local made diner food and that kind of stuff. But then you learn their story. Oh, what do you mean the whole thing burned down in the mid-2000s and had to rebuild? Oh, that's incredible. Oh, the owner was an inspiration for a character in the movie Cars? That's great. Tell me more about that. And, you know, there's just so many layers. And uh, I would say probably one of the, the best experiences that really cemented the fact that this was going to be a big part of my life was uh, on my birthday, I can't remember what year it was, um, 2015 maybe, um, I drove up to Afton, Oklahoma, which is the northeast part of the state, and went into a little uh, Packard Museum and gift shop called Afton Station. It was in a restored uh, gas station there on this little quiet downtown of this tiny agricultural community. I met a woman named Laurel Kane. She moved out here from Connecticut in about 2000, It was her dream to have a little tourist stop on Route 66. Her husband collected classic cars, and so they just had this great thing they put together, restored this building, and created this museum. And it was just the nicest person you could meet. Very open, oh, have you done this? Oh, you gotta do that. And we became very fast friends. Um, And then she mentioned that as just kind of a story, oh, well, I married some folks here in the station because I got ordained. Well, she ended up being the person to marry my wife and I on stage at the Canes Ballroom. And so, you know, Laurel passed away a few months after that. And the station's now an empty building, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's sad to drive by there to see the condition of it today, but also there's all these wonderful, amazing memories of 
a stop that was just, I just pulled over just to check it out. I didn't know anything about it. And I formed a really strong friendship with somebody that had a big impact in my life and also really helped illustrate much like, you know, I mentioned the passing of my dad is something that, you know, take advantage of the time you have now. You want to do something great, find out a way to make it happen. Um, and that's when you talk about something like Route 66, it's going to be 100 years old in a few years. It's important to get out and, and uh, do this stuff while you can. Yeah, you're right. And I'm a big fan of everybody who says that because I am not a fan of people waiting till retirement because we don't know if we're going to wake up tomorrow. Mm. Um, you know, like I try to use that excuse to let my to tell my wife to let me buy a certain car, which <laughs> I can't afford yet, but I'll get there at some point. Uh, so, so then you find this passion for Route 66. You said you mentioned you a little bit of love for history anyway mm. growing up. When do you really start thinking, you know what, how do I get involved? How can I really help out? This is a passion project and, and I really like to, you know, give back and help. So I'd say probably around 2017, 2000, and that's really, it wasn't my doing. The uh, current, the president of the Route 66 Association at the time was pulling double duty as both the president and he helped with stuff in Tulsa County. And he pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, you're coming out to a lot of our events. You're really engaged. Like I had donated some of my photography for some use for some different groups. And he said, you seem to have a passion for this. And I think you'd be really good at being our Tulsa County representative. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, sure. So I came down a meeting and they elected me right there. You know, a lot of these small nonprofits, it's less a matter of competing for a position and just please get someone to apply for it. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for two years and then our president moved uh, to Texas uh, to take care of his family. And again, he pulled me to the side and said, look, you know, if you're interested, I think this is something that you'd be really great at. You've really grown into what you're doing now and you definitely have a passion for it. And you're a younger person. You know, I'm in my early 40s, but I'm still the youngest person in a lot of these rooms. Um, and, you know, help us try to figure out how to continue uh, spreading the story of Route 66 to a younger audience. Mm -hmm. So I said, great. And, and again, it's, it's just I just get deeper into it constantly, I feel like. Uh, but that's not a negative thing at all. I absolutely love it. You know, working with my, uh, the other state associations, uh, the national groups that are now really looking forward to the centennial in 2026 and just being able to tell people stories about the road to say, Hey, when you go through Chandler, be sure you stop at the armory and ask them about restoring the building. You won't believe what it looked like before that, or, you know, the round barn in Arcadia, you know, talk, and talk to the people mm -hmm. more than anything. Talk to the folks that are there, the volunteers and the people that, that are running these small businesses because they all have really interesting stories. Yeah, yeah, How does someone get involved now if they're listening and think, you know what, I would love to be a district county representative in my area? So the Oklahoma Route 66 Association is membership-based. That's, okay. you know, it's it's very economical. Like individuals are 20 bucks a year, businesses are 49 bucks a year. Uh, but that, that little bit of money helps us put out, you know, newsletters and keep... Uh, Things going to let people know uh, different news along Route 66, uh, and as I mentioned, we, you know we have got these board members scattered in each county that Route 66 goes through, and our biggest initiative every year is we put out a trip guide, which is a newspaper booklet with maps and things to see and do along Route 66 throughout the state, uh -huh. and we've been producing that since the mid 90s, and we still get comments all the time from travelers that have picked it up at one of our business members or at one of the travel centers or we've mailed them a coffee 
and said this was so incredibly valuable. So Oklahoma's done a great job of putting signage up to tell you when you're on Route 66, but signage is never perfect. You know, sometimes, and Route 66 is being realigned multiple times over its life. So when someone says, well, how many miles of Route 66 are in Oklahoma? I said, well, you know, we need to qualify this, you know, because uh, that's a more complicated question than you realize. Um, but providing those kinds of things and being present at the table when, like, the Centennial Commission is meeting or when the town of Stroud says, hey, we want you to come talk to us about Route 66 and what we can do to be better engaged with it. Um, that just allows us to do that. So the, the long way around to, your, to answer your question is um, we're always looking for new members, um, and uh, you know, we hold board uh, elections every year uh, to get folks engaged and to help. Yeah. What has been some of the, the discoveries for you just getting involved and you know, opening the door and really like, you know, now being president of it, some of the discoveries about Oklahoma that you didn't know previously and just stuff that fascinated you? Well, I had no idea Oklahoma was such an important part of the Route 66 story, period. I'd never even heard the name Cyrus Avery before I got into Route 66. Now there's a nice big statue of him right next to the Arkansas River. Uh, But that it was a guy from Oklahoma that really spearheaded the whole movement to say, you know what, we need a highway that connects Chicago to Los Angeles, and it's going to be the best commercial corridor in the country, and we're going to put a whole marketing team behind it. And this is like 1927, and everyone's like, you're crazy. Why are you going to put money to tell people about a road? But it helped develop it into what it is today, you know, and then, you know, movies and music and books and all that kind of stuff. It has this legend around it. And it all grew out of just a couple of guys that said, you know, this automobile is going to be kind of a big deal. We should really start preparing for it way back when people didn't want to put money down towards it. Um, But every community has its own story. I, I talk about the Round Barn in Arcadia a minute ago. Um, it was built in 1898, supposedly round to help it withstand tornado force winds. Uh, but you walk into that place and you can just feel the history of it. And some folks might say, well, it's just a barn. What's the big deal? And okay, I hear you. But when you go in there and you talk to the folks that have been volunteering at the barn for all these years and hear their stories of what the community was like um, and how it's evolved, you know, Route 66 is a road of the past but it's also a road of the future. Like I mentioned a minute ago about, you know, we need to pave this. This is really important. We need to connect these communities. The interstates wouldn't have developed like they have without Route 66, which is its own story. Um, But now Route 66 has the potential, you know, let's bring electric car chargers on here. You know, this is a a great spine that exists already. it's, it, and when people kind of scoff at that, I, I just tell them, you know, Route 66 has always been looking forward and we're still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, you know, uh, there's so, I mean, when you look across the world, right, and they look across the, all the maps and stuff, there are back before planes and stuff, the roads obviously with a connection, right? And America has a terrible train network. And I, I'll leave it at that because there's things happening <laughs> yeah. all over the country at the moment. But, you know, compared to Europe, right? You look at Europe and you're like, trains are the way to go. You yeah. know, and out here in the States, it's clearly by car. And something that, that has so much history along it that connects communities the way that Route 66 has. Now, sadly, you know, okay, we have turnpikes and highways, which obviously were involved, but then it comes out an expense of the, the communities that are outside those. And... There's a friend of mine who created um, in the last couple of years a, a cruise every month. It's called Cruise in Oklahoma. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Jared, and he has 
it's coming up actually the first one of the year is, is coming up this in, you know because he takes off January and February because the weather's terrible um, and if it wasn't for that I definitely wouldn't have seen some of the state that I've seen right and we do drive around Route 66 you know on, on, on like this I think this month in March we're going up to um, Hal at Motor Speedway but yeah. we'll be driving up Route 66 and, uh, and you know you're driving through towns that have you know small population they didn't you know they'd never see you if it wasn't for like a cruise, right? Or you going out of your way to go there and stop. And, you know, I credit Jared for bringing thousands of dollars to some of these towns because if it wasn't for a cruise on a Sunday, once a month, no one would be out there, you know? And that just happens to be our shared love of cars. And it doesn't, you don't have to have a fancy car to go on this cruise. Um, but he, he loves Oklahoma and he loves, you know, driving around. And thankfully to that, you know, there's people like Jared who keep the legacy going, right? Keep the memories going and the history going and keeps people, you know, keeps the, the history at the front of people's minds. Right. And it's like I remember the first time I went to Guthrie, mm. you know, which isn't on Route 66, but it's close. And so, again, if people are like, well, I have some time, I'm like, you've got to go take a look at their downtown. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. And again, all this stuff was here and, and until I made an effort to start visiting these communities that I'd never been to, I just would have gone right past it and yeah. been none the wiser. What's well, been um, some of the favorite food stops along the route? Because, man, there's some great oh, onion boy. and cheeseburgers in Oklahoma. Yeah, now this is tough. It's like asking about a favorite kid, and I'm right. going to upset people. <laughs> so I, I don't, I'm okay, not going to say my favorites, say but I'll, favorite. say, I'll say some, some areas that yeah. deserve, des- definitely deserve a look. What do you recommend when people come to town? So Vanita is lucky in that it actually has two really great restaurants. So most folks will mention Clanton's Cafe. Okay. It is the, let me see if I can get the qualification right. It is the oldest family-owned restaurant on Route 66, period, I believe. Um, you'll notice as you go through Route 66, a lot of places have their own little quantifiers of little things that make them special. Um, like Miami is the gateway to Oklahoma and that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, but Clanton's has been doing the same thing since the 1920s. Um, and, you know, you, you take a bite of their chicken fried steak or, you know, their calf fries or whatever it is you happen to decide to, to try that day. Um, and you can really taste the fact that they've been doing it the same way for a long time. It's just excellent. Uh, but you also have the Highway Cafe on the edge of town, uh, which uh, is was bas- built when the highway was expanded out there. Uh, an old rest stop got torn down and, and the guy that owned it at the time was like, well, I want to stay here. I want to keep a restaurant. So we just rebuilt it out of the, the rubble of the old restaurant. And, um, you know, I've sat at their little counter and talked to the old timers there. And they're like, oh, I remember when Bob Wills would come up here and play music at this barn down this one county street. And, you know, I remember when the floodwaters were so bad, I had to drive my tractor to the airstrip to pick up my sister. And, you know, if any restaurant has a, has a counter, that's where I'm going to sit because you get to turn to the person next to you and just say, hey, how's it going? And you never know what you're going to hear. Um, Tulsa, Tul- being my hometown, that is very difficult. Um, you know, my favorite burger place actually closed recently after the death of their owner. So that's still, that's, that's tough. Which one was that? Claude's Hamburgers on uh, Peoria. Okay. Um, and Tulsa is lucky in that we have a, a very rich burger heritage. And in fact, we have a claim on the invention of the hamburger. Uh, Weber's Hamburgers is one of the places that says they were the first to actually use a bun instead of regular bread to make their hamburgers. And their grill like is, dates way back. Um, there's a really great story that Michael Wallace wrote about it, as a matter of fact. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I'm trying to think... 
of some, maybe if I think about the places that made impact on me when I was first visiting these communities, uh, I got to talk about El Reno. El Reno is the home of the Onion Burger. Uh, uh, which is the, it Sid's? Uh, Sid's is one of them. There's okay. three of them. Sid's, Roberts, and Johnny's, all in this little small area. Uh, Roberts is technically the oldest. Um, Sid's is the one that is right across from the pavilion where they've got a nice Route 66 shield you can sit in and get your picture taken. Uh, they're all excellent. Um, but the gist of the story is that you know during the Depression, meat was expensive, and they thought, well, we want these meals to go a little farther, so they literally would take half a shredded onion and put it in with the meat as they grilled it. Uh, and they still do it that way, and it is incredible. Uh, I would definitely not recommend going and getting a burger right before an important meeting, <laughs> but uh, it's worth it any other time that you get down there. They're just just wonderful. Um, and if you say, oh, I've had onions on a burger, it's different. It's different. It's different. Yeah. Um, but again, every one of these little towns have um, their own place where the locals eat, and... Uh, that, that's always where I end up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, every town has that, right? Hopefully, hopefully the one in every town's still there, right? Because a lot of the time they're family-owned businesses, and you know, one of the ones that closed recently within the last year or so was Anne's Chicken Farm. Oh yeah, because that was just down the street from mm-hmm. Est, from Southern Nazarene where I went to university, and you know. If you were ever inside that building, you know, you got to write it, right? If you're from out of town, you got to mark the wall, right? And right. The inside of that building was incredible. And, you know, it, it, it's so sad that buildings like that, you know, have all, you know, if the family doesn't want to do it anymore, like, it's sad, right? It, you know, it's such a cool spot and it's such full of so much history in that spot and so many memories in those walls. But at the same time, you know, I mean, COVID ruined a lot of businesses. I think that business was one of them. Yeah. But, you know, there's so many instances like that, not just across Route 66, but all over the country, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's so many great spots. What about um, some spots that, that have kind of new to the to Route 66 in the last year that someone may not be aware of at the moment? Well, it's not within the last year, but probably the best example is Buck Adams in Tulsa. Okay. Uh, Mary Beth Babcock uh, took an old Pimco gas station and put a gift shop in it, and then Custom uh, built a Muffler Man statue, which is a big fiberglass dude. Uh, he's a space cowboy, and it's become one of the most photographed attractions on Route 66. Anybody that's met Mary Beth in the past would, would not be surprised. She's got a, a very keen mind for these kinds of things. Uh, but at the association, we get calls from folks all the time. There's a guy that is working on a museum in Stroud uh, called Spirit of America, where it's basically dedicated to the things to that to him uh, represent the American experience. He's got stuff about Superman and the moon landing and things that when you talk about an international audience, like what's a microcosm of, of all this? They're going to be able to go in and get that kind of experience. Uh, you have restaurants that that open up where you have somebody that wants to maybe put back, like with Ann's Chicken Fry going out, like something's missing. Right? We need to add something. Uh, Green Chili Kitchen in Yukon is one that's not brand new, uh, but uh, I've, more and more people are talking about it, and it's this kind of southwestern cuisine place right on 66. And because they've made that part of their image, it's appealing to folks that might otherwise drive on by and look for one of these traditional diners. But, you know, Mother Road Market is another really great example. You know, when I talk to a lot of the international tour groups, by the time they get to Oakland, Oklahoma, some of them are like, man, I don't think I can eat another fried piece of food. I'm <laughs> tapped out. But you go to a place like Mother Road Market, and you have all these options, and they're all local. And so you get to enjoy something that's local, that's not just some kind of homogenous, you know, off the interstate kind of place, 
but also it doesn't have to be a hamburger or or a chicken fried steak. Yeah, the Brazilian place at Mother Road Market is mm. my go-to. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's as you go in, in the corner. Is that Dr. Custom? Yes, yeah. there you go. Uh, it's either a chicken day or a steak day, and hopefully you catch it on a steak oh day. Oh my gosh, it's the steak, And they're both great, and I've had both, but steak is obviously preferred over chicken, I think, in my opinion anyway. Uh, the other one I noticed, which you didn't mention, that I think has just come out recently... In Sepulpra's Gasoline Alley Classics. Now that's good. I'm glad you Tell mentioned that. Tell me about that, that yeah, one because so I've seen that. Like that place looks like looks really and, it's the, and the dude who runs it, it looks the part. Michael too. Jones is great. So Michael is actually on our board, okay. and he's involved with some of the stuff in the city. But Gasoline Alley Classics is something that's been his, a brainchild of his for years, and he was finally able to get this brick and mortar opened and everything. It's in an old Model T dealership there in Sepulpa. Uh, for he's makes kind of man cave stuff, uh, custom, like fixtures and installations. And now he has this shop that not only kind of goes towards that same kind of vibe, but he's got these great vintage signs you can take pictures with and some unique merch. And uh, again, there's Michael himself that you just sit and say, you know, hey, tell me your story. And then you look down and it's been three hours. Uh, yeah. And that, that's, the, that's the key to a good experience. But yeah, Sepulpa as a, as a whole is a community that's really going all in on Route 66 and doing some amazing things. Right. The uh, Christmas shoot this year was incredible. They, uh, for those that aren't aware of it, they closed down Main Street, which is Route 66, um, and put a, a big steel truss over the entire road full of Christmas lights and decorations. And it was on the Today Show. It was just a, a really big deal. So, um, yeah, Sepulpa was great. Yeah, I, uh, I shared a lot of photos of that, uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, being on the Today Show, you're clearly doing something right, especially over Christmas, too. And there are a lot of people coming from out of town to come see that, you know, which is I mean, it's why you want to do it, right? When you generate, because most of the time people don't think, you know what, this, this weekend I'm going to go to Sepulpa, right? And, and, and most of these towns that are on Route 66 the same way, unless they have a reason to go, a great restaurant to go to, some awesome shops, you know, the Christmas shoot, right? And that's the good thing about it is the experiences that you will have, and it doesn't have to be on a Route 66 stop, the experience you have when you go to Guthrie is great. You know, there's so many awesome restaurants and chocolate shops to go out and oh makers gosh, yeah. and Missy Stonets and, you know, I'm drooling thinking of just <laughs> going to Guthrie, you know, spending two hours there and eating my weight and food. Um, well, Route 66 but, isn't about getting someplace. It's yeah. about going someplace. Okay. And as long as you give yourself the time, you'll find your own little slice that if they were sitting at this microphone, it would stand out to them. You know, we worked with a gentleman named John Cerny a few years ago that makes these oversized roadside murals on, on wood. He said, I want to put something on Route 66. And we helped connect him with a guy that has some land out past Fort Reno. And so now you drive on the original Route 66 out there, which is still the original 1930 cement. You're driving on it and you're feeling the clunk, clunk, clunk as you're driving. And suddenly you see these three giant muffler man murals out in his field on the side of the road. And, you know, if you're not out just to drive and enjoy Route 66, you'd totally miss that. Yeah. But it's the same thing you go through Weatherford. The Stafford Museum is an amazing facility with a bunch of cool stuff in there. Yeah. You know, but if you don't say, well, I'm going to see what Weatherford's all about without having maybe a specific itinerary, mm. you know, it, it may not pique your interest. Um, but if you allow yourself the opportunity to go in and experience these towns and the things that they have to offer, 
uh, you'll be really surprised at what you find. Yes, but the other one going out towards Weatherford is Lucille's, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to see the original one unless you're driving on original Route 66. That's right. Because they made a new one, right? Which is like close It's a to restaurant. A, yeah, yeah. Which is now a hotel or whatever. Which, you know, is the guy comes by, honestly, Rick Koch of ASAP Energy bought the original Lucille's station, and, you know, they had some wind damage with the storms that came through a little while back, and he keeps it in good shape, and it, it's wonderful for people to stop and learn a little bit about Lucille, uh, who is known as the mother of the Mother Road. Uh, she was one of the one of the earliest kind of personalities that people would travel just to visit with her. Um, but yeah, he has a restaurant in Weatherford and now one in Clinton too that's fashioned after that old station. Um, the, and they have great food, you know. Yeah. Would you um, like? Is it a dream or a goal for you to have your own stop? I'll say. Partially. Um, I would love to have a brick and mortar spot on the route where I can meet travelers as they come through and make sure, oh, be sure you talk to these people, be sure you do this. But I also don't know that I want to be anchored. I like sure. visiting the places myself. And, you know, small businesses, small business owners are their own breed. And I don't know that I, I feel like I have too much wanderlust in my system still. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do that. But the association, for the longest time, we had an office inside the armory in Chandler. And we're kind of between locations right now. I would love to find another home for us on Route 66 yeah. um, so that we do have a presence. And that, that it would be wonderful to meet people as they come in and mm-hmm. learn a little bit about their story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're right. To have a spot, like essentially, that, that travelers can come as, as a service, right, you know, for the association. Would you personally have one? Like, just even if you didn't, you weren't president, you thought, you know, I love history, and maybe in 30, 20, however many years, you think, you know, I'd like, maybe I'll have a coffee shop on the route. Like, I'd love that. Yeah? I'd probably want to keep it simple, because I'd get to talk, and, and then someone would be like, hey, I ordered like half an hour ago, what's going on? Um, so co- I could probably do coffee. Uh, you know, my wife has talked about it. it would be nice if we had a place where she could make pie, you know, coffee and pie, that, that'd be great. Uh, you get in more into that, and then I, I, I don't know that I'd be the right guy for that, but... Uh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Because right now things are things are great, but we don't know what tomorrow holds. And if sure. something happened where I wasn't able to travel as much as I do now, uh, I would go stir crazy. I would at least have to meet people that are traveling. Yeah. I, I think it just, you know, tying into that, when, when someone decides, you know what, I'm going to start a business, right? And say there's someone out there now who thinks, you know, I'd love to have a coffee shop and I have a passion for the Route 66. How, what are the stats that are out there that, that can you know you can put into a business plan? Because someone, most people have to get a loan. They've got to go to the bank, right? So they put a business plan together and they go to the bank and say, hey, I want to put a coffee shop on Route 66. What's the stats? Are they, do, do people come to you with stuff like that, asking for travel stats? And how, how do they, you know, just to say, hey, look, I know the local population might not say that, you know, a coffee shop's you know, we don't need another coffee shop, but <laughs> if it's Route 66 specific and we have all these people coming from, you know, around the world, then it kind of moves the needle a little bit. Sure. We do get those questions, usually from municipalities that want to start putting some money behind tourism and that kind of thing. Like, well, can you tell me the numbers? Route 66 travel is notoriously difficult to track because it's not like you can just click people coming in the door of a museum. You know, people that stop at the Blue Whale in Catoosa, maybe they sign the guest book, maybe they don't. Maybe they look around and take a picture. Um, You know, most of these places are staffed by volunteers, so numbers are notoriously hard to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Oklahoma Department of Tourism does a better job of capturing that. Um, I wish I had some numbers I could give you. Uh, But I know that, you know, the anecdotal evidence that I see every day is you have folks 
locals that are experiencing it. You have folks from around the region that have come to see what everyone's talking about. And you have folks from around the world that this is a bucket list item for them. And to me, that just personally, that's the success for a business. You have to appeal to your neighborhood. You have to appeal to the folks that live in your community. And you have to appeal to folks that are coming in from outside of town. And the great thing about Route 66 is that it's a linear community. Most towns struggle to get people to come to see what they have to offer. Well, with Route 66, they're already coming. You just have to get them to stop. Yeah. So that's usually what just the basics I, I tell people. Just make sure whatever you have catches their attention. Make sure you're getting out there in social media and in publications like our trip guide that are geared towards a Route 66 person, and they'll stop. Yeah. Well, and a lot of them, like you look at the ones that are successful, and you mentioned Mary and, and Buck, right? Like, you know, there there are items that people have to stop to take a photo in front of, right? You know, you've got Lucille's, so people are going to stop to take a photo in front of that. The Round Barn, Pops is obviously a huge one and quite, you know, the Blue Whale. Like, it's probably coming up with an idea that's not been done before, maybe, or maybe you add another muffler, man, whatever it is, that you get people to stop, right? And then they come inside, they buy a T-shirt or a coffee or, you know, stamp the passport, whatever it is. Yeah, you know, the the Route 66 Museum in Elk City has this gigantic Route 66 shield out front, which is an amazing photo opportunity. Um, uh, in Eric, little Eric, Oklahoma, has Harley Russell, mm. who has him... I need to meet him. Uh, Harley is... <laughs> He says it best. He's like, I'm not an attraction. I'm an experience. And he is. <laughs> and people ask me to describe Harley, who has his, his little one-man music show in Erica. It's called uh, Mediocre Music Makers. He did it for many years with his late wife, Annabelle. Um, he, he calls it the redneck capital of the world. And when you walk in the doors, it's full of cool old antiques. None of them are for sale. And he's an entertainer. Some people take to it, and other people turn right around and walk out. Uh, because he's very much uh, dances to the beat of his own drummer. Uh, but he's part of the experience. And it's, it's those kinds of things that you can't replicate elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, you cannot. Uh, and I, I think there's another Instagram page that I share a lot of work from, uh, Oklahoma Explorer. Mm. And she's fantastic. Uh, it's been on the podcast and told some great stories and just, again, has a passion for probably someone who'd be very good for the board or for the committee or something like that, if she has time. Um, maybe she's listening. And <laughs> there's a link in the bio if you're listening. Uh, you know, there's people like that. I think I reshared one of her photos when she was out to see Harley. And, you know, like, yeah, it's one of a kind. It's an experience, right? You've got to go see him in his you know, white and red overall singing to you and his guitar and you can try and buy something from him, but if nothing's for sale, you're not going to get <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. Uh, you have a festival coming up this year. Tell me about that. So uh, AAA uh, launched the Route 66 Road Fest last year, and this is their second year. We're really excited. Uh, AAA, of course, is very much ingrained in automobile culture, and uh, they called a few groups together a few years ago and said, we want to do a big festival. And so tell us what Route 66 has going on and what we could bring to the table, uh, which was fantastic. Most people say, well, I'm going to come in and make a lot of money and breeze out of town. And, and AAA did not come in and do that. They wanted to do it right and do what they could to help support all of these communities along Route 66. Um, and so we're super excited to be involved with them again this year in Tulsa. Uh, they are going to be set up in June, uh, the 23rd and 25th. Uh, at the Expo Square, uh, which isn't on Route 66, but as you mentioned, it's got that golden driller out front, and uh, 
when you go to the event, you'll see why they needed such a big space. They have poured so much money into creating what they call the journey, which are these big walk-in exhibits, for lack of a better word, that showcase Route 66 throughout the decades mm-hmm. with custom-built you know, buildings and vintage cars and actors in period costume telling you about the, the news of the day. That's um, just a really incredible way to experience the whole road in a, in a little bit of a, I'll say a bite-sized portion, hopefully to inspire you to get out and take your own trip and, and experience it all for yourself. Um, so we're really excited to have a booth there and to and to see a lot of our see a lot of our friends. Yeah, and a lot of people then coming to that show for will have booths and businesses that are along the route, or just people who want to advertise to travelers on the route and stuff like that. Yep, yep, okay. a little of both. Um, and you know, I follow a lot of the social media channels and dedicated to Route 66. I answer questions when I can and. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. Folks that maybe couldn't have made it last year that said, you know what, I saw how incredible it was last year. I'm coming to Tulsa in June. So yeah, we're, yeah. we're super happy about that. And June 20th, what's the date? Uh, 23rd through 25th. It's okay. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think those numbers are correct. Great. Um, big indoor car show, which has all the car clubs super excited because, you know, to have a car show indoors is, is really nice. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, when it, it can be a little hot. Um so yeah, we're really we're really stoked. Yeah, to the to the point of kind of the autom- automobile culture and the car side of things, you know, there's also a huge bike culture for mm-hmm. '66, right? What is, is it kind of fifty fifty? Is it predominantly cars, predominantly bikes? What do you see it over the time? So I definitely see more cars than I see bikes, uh, but the the bikers definitely make up for it in their passion. Um, and when they're in a group, it is incredible to see. There was a tour that came through earlier this year that was a motorcycle cannonball run that did went down Route 66. And so one afternoon, I found myself in the parking lot of the Will Rogers Museum in Claremore, surrounded by dozens and dozens of vintage bikes because they would only accept bikes up to, I think, the 1960s. And they're sitting there, they're making adjustments, they're visiting, you know, they're, they're wind burned from the travel, and they're looking forward to the next day. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely see more cars, but, man, if there's a group of bikers coming, I'll pull over and watch them go by. It's just exciting. Yeah, that rumble is hard to, uh, hard to pass up, right? You got, you know, any, any more than, like, five, and it's just, like, the ground is shaking. This is, this is an awesome experience. Um, well, Reese, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I now know a lot more about Route 66, <laughs> and so do our listeners. And, you know, if people listening want to go to the festival June 23rd, 25th, um, I will put the link to that in the description, as well as the link to your Oklahoma uh, Route 66 Association website. And if someone's listening that wants to get involved uh, in your local area and be involved, or, you know, you just think, instead of sitting down and watching Netflix this Sunday or Saturday or football whenever football starts, Jump in the car, drive, you know, go on the website, find a location, quick day trip, out and back, get some food, see Oklahoma and Route 66, and you'll meet a lot of smiling faces along the way. That's absolutely true. So what, is, what is your personal Instagram as well? Because you mentioned you sharing your photos, and that's kind of how we met was on Instagram, and yeah. I shared some of your photos because you're, you're very good at taking photos. I'll oh, thank you. you. Um, what's your personal Instagram? People I, I, I say it's a skill that has developed over time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my personal Instagram is Reese Funk, R-H-Y-S-F-U-N-K. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't share as much uh, right now as I have in the past, and I've got so many plates spinning, but every time I look, I'm like, man, I need to get out and just take a photo road trip instead of a work road trip. Uh, 
but uh, I love it. Again, that's how my doorway into this whole thing was because I wanted to go out and take pictures of these old buildings and roadside attractions. So that's that's definitely still my first love. Awesome. Well, for everyone listening, I'll put the link as well to Reese's Instagram in the bio down below, and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high-quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit OKLABeef.org. That's OKLABeef.org, linked below. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.